2: I know you'll be alright
0: Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften
2: your heart You can finally
0: start To live
2: Life. Welcome back to the Truthiest Life. It's your host Lisa Ham. It's an early morning, got a cup of hot coffee in my hand, and I'm super excited to bring you this episode with my friend Olivia. Olivia is one of the most authentic people I've ever met, and everything she's ever written that I've read, I'm just like, wow, this woman knows who she is. And yet, in this episode, Olivia shares how despite showing up authentically all this time, there was a layer she was yet to discover and she's now peeled back that layer and she's sharing with us what it has brought up, how she's dealing with these big emotions, and the pause she's kind of taking from life and the big risks she's also taking too. Olivia owned a boutique fitness studio in New York City. She was opened up a huge new one and has now closed those physical locations thanks to the pandemic and has really decided to take a break while she does this big work. I'm so inspired by Olivia. She's really sharing this at a time where the layer has just been stripped off. So it's super vulnerable and you'll feel her emotion when she tells her story. I just want to take one second to thank all of my listeners for just being you. Honestly, I've been reflecting a lot on this podcast and all these platforms, Instagram, TikTok, etc. they all have, you know, different ways of getting to know the audience. And although a podcast, you know, I can't see you, there's the least amount of interaction back and forth. Although I do love your emails and DMs about the podcast and podcast shares, please keep those coming. I feel like I understand this audience maybe better than any of my other platforms. And I feel like that's because you understand me. And I feel like you're my people. And we're like on this journey of life with the same depths of souls. And there's something just super comforting about knowing that there are thousands of us out there that are just good, kind people willing to do the work and are there for each other. I also just want to share that I know that these last five years of me being a public persona has come with, of course, a lot of challenges for my mental health. But at the same time, I know that my community has been a saving grace for me in so many ways. I feel seen all the time. I rarely feel lonely. I feel so supported by my community 99% of the time, which... I just know if I didn't have this, I would be struggling a lot. And so I want to offer that back to anybody out there who may be struggling, maybe big time struggling, maybe little time struggling. It's all valid. I want to let you know that I am somebody here who has a an ear willing to listen and be a friend um, that shouldn't substitute therapy or, you know, dealing with anything that you're really going through. But I do want to let you know that I'm an additional source of being here for you. If I miss a DM, just email email me. I don't want anyone to feel alone in this world. There's too much suffering when there could be a lot of kindness to just let us all know that It's okay. We're all suffering and we're just going to take it one day at a time together. I've just been feeling a lot of heaviness this week out in the world. And I just want to remind everybody to be kind and look up and smile at strangers and cashiers and even the people that cut us off and piss us off and are rude to us because we never know what somebody else is going through. And we can't waste our own energy by meeting them where they're at when we have a chance to raise them up in that moment and not let ourselves get watered down or frustrated or feel invalidated by how somebody else makes us feel. So my challenge for you is to recognize in those moments where you want to shut down or be rude or judge somebody because they're rude to you or they give you an attitude, whether that's a waiter or a family member or a boss at work. And I want to see if you could insert a little bit of a pause and just say, okay, they too are suffering right now in some way that I can't see, understand, or process. And I think that if we could just bring a little bit more humanness to every place where we kind of cut off, we'd all just be a little bit more okay. And, you know, mental health obviously is something that I'm super passionate about speaking about, and it's going to be woven into a lot that we do on here because I want every person to know that they are valued and needed in this world. And I know that we're all going to go through days where we question that and we're really not sure of that, but I'm positive that you have a place and a purpose. And if you ever forget that, just ask me and I'm here to remind you. Let's dive into Olivia's episode and I'll see you all back here next week. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. Today we're joined by a very old friend of mine from my New York City days and a little bit before that, but my friend Olivia Young, who's a life coach and founder of the amazing Boutique Fitness called Box and Flow, which we're going to learn all about. So welcome,
3: Olivia. So good to see you. Thank you. I was so honored when when you mentioned me coming on your show. So well, thank we're you. We're
2: Facebook friends. And whenever I go on Facebook and I see an update from you, not many people I know use Facebook, but there's sometimes like um, an update from you, from your blog. And I don't go to everybody's blog who posts, but there's something about the way that you write and you write from your heart That pulls me in and it's like deep, but you're really good at tying your words up really quickly. (laughs) So I feel Mm -hmm. like it's always just a powerful punch, which is kind of a funny use of words, considering you're founder of a boxing slash yoga studio.
3: (laughs) And I'm so grateful you say that because I always think that my blogs are too long. So like that's the biggest thing for me is kind of finding a way to, you know, put so much emotion into such a small piece of writing that people aren't going to flip away from. Oh,
2: no, they're really short. They always leave you (laughs) with what I call like a brain stain. And they're easy to digest. But they also make you think and they're relatable, even if you're not in your life phase. Like, for example, you talk about being single and living in New York City. I'm not single right now, but I could relate to years of my life and my friends that have gone through that and or or, are going through that. And there's just relatability, I think, with everything that you continuously pull back. So that's kind of the deep, deep over there. But before we go too (laughs) deep, what is box and flow? Because that's really become how people come to know you in the last five years or so?
3: Yeah. So Box and Flow is a boutique fitness hybrid studio that I created that basically bridges this idea of resistance and ease. So, you know, I see everything in duality like, and fight and flow for me is not just the way that I've moved since I was 15, but also the way that I see the duality of life, like either in resistance or in ease, either in your fight or in your flow. And for me, very type A entrepreneur, three brothers, I was always without knowing why, and now I understand more along my journey, why, but I was always in this fight mode. I was always like on the defense. I was always in this space of needing to prove whether it was like fighting my body, fighting my future, fighting the ex-boyfriends, whatever it was. So I started boxing when I was 20. I started practicing yoga when I was 15. And without realizing it, these two modalities were shaping me physically, but way more so like mentally and emotionally. So I always say that like boxing, gave me strength and and power and yoga forced me to slow down and feel. Mm. And It was like those two consistencies back to back in my life every day that I think gave me the resources, the power, the confidence, and the humility, the heart that I needed to be successful in my everyday life.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the duality is beautiful because we see it in everything that we do. If we could recognize that (laughs) things could be both hard and sweet or surrendery at the same time, I think we'd have a better time approaching hard moments of our life off of the mat or off of, out of the rink and also kind of feeling maybe differently about the sweet stuff in our life too. So if we could bring that to
3: life. Bring them together. Yeah. And I think that's the point. It's like the through line, like the idea of boxing flow is really this idea of like flow through the fight. So really finding the sweet spot, the glimmer of joy, through all of the transitions in life, because, you know, in my experience, like it's never going to be easy, but it doesn't have to be that hard. And I think that goes with everything. And I even think the words hard and easy are are like misused because they put such an emphasis on, you know, intangibles, mm-hmm. right? So like this idea of being able to flow through the fight, find ease through resistance so that life doesn't have to be so hard, yeah. right?
2: I'm Very recently, I was on a, a trip, our first trip in a very long time. And I'm sure, you know, to everybody listening, who watched it, it was like, you know, the dream trip. And at that same time, something personal was going on that isn't really mine to share. But nonetheless, I found myself in a place of suffering while there. And I remember I walked to the beach and I found a shell and the shell had grooves and then soft spots on it. And to me, I don't know. I saw it and it just made me realize that like life is both. There are hard moments and there are soft moments and they're side by side. So just because Mm -hmm. this hurts right now doesn't mean that the rest of the week, even on this trip is going to hurt. doesn't mean the pain goes away or that I bury it away, but there's some ease even within it. And I think, To teach that in a form of movement, to let your body embody that is just brilliant, especially in the fitness space when so many people are black and white and either or. You know, they think that they could Mm -hmm. either do Spartan races or Barry's boot camp, or they can just do yoga. Like, I feel like yoga is very exclusionary. The belief is that it's exclusionary. So the fact that you brought it together, I understand, but I'm curious how people responded to this. Obviously once you're there you get it, but getting people there it's like okay I like to box but I don't like yoga or like yoga but I don't like to box. What was that like
3: yeah. bringing people there? You know all of these questions were questions that like I didn't even ask because I was so determined to create the feeling I had been getting every day. Mm. Like I literally on a bag I felt my confidence, I got the adrenaline. On my mat I felt my heart. I was able to like open up and and release. And I had never taught a class before I opened my first studio because to me, it wasn't actually even fitness. It was words on a paper. It was how I coached myself through the transitions in life. And it was what I wanted to give people. I wanted people to feel the power that I was feeling. When I think about boxing flow, when I describe it, it's inspiration and empowerment through energy, breath, movement, and music. Mm. Nowhere there says boxing or yoga. So to me, you know, from my headspace, I didn't see it from an outsider's point of view of like, oh, I don't really like yoga. Like I won't box. I just saw it as like an experience that was set to the rhythm of the music for people to literally come in and feel their strength and allow themselves to let like to let go. And how the class was choreographed, it was literally like walk in, warm up to the music, no mirrors, it's not about how you look, it's how you feel, gloves on, nine rounds on a heavy bag, nonstop because no breaks, there are no breaks in life, until after the first 35 minutes, rip your gloves off, find your mat, feel your heartbeat, And let go take a breath because Mm -hmm. so often it's that like, even with the shell on the beach, you're looking at it and there's all this, you know, tension, whatever you're feeling. And you had to take a second and be like, there is more here. Mm -hmm. I am capable of seeing a different perspective. So box and flow flow through the fight is all about shifting your perspective. And for me, the only way I knew how to do that was through my body. Mm -hmm. So I needed to create a physical experience so I could speak this language. And at the same time, I was also insecure of just being empowered to speak this language without hiding behind a physical fitness experience.
2: Mm, Wow. It's really incredible that you were able to translate. I mean, it's like art to be able to translate your feeling, your emotion, your created emotion into a formula. That worked. You just said flow through the fight. That's like your Mm -hmm. tagline. That's what box and flow is about. You said it's about changing your perspective. Uh Uh-huh. Obviously, when you're on the mat, I feel like, okay, let me just flow through the fight. Let me let me breathe through the hard parts. Let me make it through these nine rounds, and then I'll be able to breathe and take a break. Do you find that for you or all the many people that attended your studios that flow through the
3: fight became something off the mat? For me, I wanted to create a model that would literally like allow for consistency, which meant like lowered my prices, markets of people that were like me. And the people that committed and showed up every day, like I did to the boxing studio every day, to the yoga studio every day, you know, your mentality starts to shift Mm -hmm. and change. Just like I know that you've recently like finished yoga teacher training. I mean, and you've said it in your social media posts, like, you know, we think it's physical. It Mm -hmm. has to be exerting, but yoga is yoke. It's connection. It's bringing together, right? It's, it's a way of being this idea to me, this, this feeling, and ironically, my name's Olivia Young, but like, almost live young, to me, it's life. It's this idea of being alive instead of just existing. Mm -hmm. So this feeling is what I was teaching. And as such, it was more challenging to find teachers that I could train and empower so that they could then teach this on the mat, off the mat, in the studio, outside of the studio. And for me personally, as a founder, I needed to walk the talk and breathe into whatever resistance I was feeling as a single woman, as a business owner, as human, so that I could really like, you know, launch this ship and teach from a place of authenticity. And as you know, as someone who's super vulnerable, it's not always that simple. You know, you you have to go back to the shell and be like, Oh, there are rough parts, but there are soft edges too. You know, there's fight. I'm feeling this, Mm -hmm. but there's also flow. And for me, that practice is like every day I wake up and it's like, is it fighter? Is there flow? Like, Mm -hmm. is it more heavy energy? Is it lighter energy? And how do I then use this vessel that I'm living in to shift my perspective? Because for me, it's always like wake up and now it's slower, whatever else, but like really get grounded before I take off and run away from my feelings, but once I take off, in whatever iteration, whether I'm going to grab a coffee or running six miles, it's to move myself out of my own way to flow through the fight.
2: Well, I think you've done a really good job of moving out of your way. I know you said that some things have come up for you, which maybe we'll get to a little bit. But nonetheless, I think every day putting in this practice of flowing through the fight and showing up for yourself has allowed you to become successful and a founder. And, you know, the people who are successful to me, I think the best way to put that has nothing to do with money or how many studios you have, if you're in like, you know, your industry or how many clients you have, if you're a nutritionist, it's, are you out of your own way? Are you living what you teach? So day in and day out, because if you truly are living what you teach and you truly believe in that and it's working for you, your blinders are on. And that to me is success because you're moving forward. You're working on yourself. You're building up the people that are directly around you and you're wasting minimal energy on thinking about, what other people are doing, which is, I don't know, half the battle, especially with social media these days. I think for, for most people, if you just could stay focused on yourself and what you want to feel like, you can accomplish anything.
3: Totally. And and with that said, the other tagline and what's on the doors of my studios and working on a dream project, we'll see where it goes. But like talk about writing my passion, like working on a memoir Mm -hmm. and the podcast that I host, it's called everything you need is inside. So the doors of my studio, that's the idea of like, you have your tools, you have your answers, but like, it's not always that simple. You still have to flow through the fight Mm -hmm. and you have to get quiet enough to be able to listen and hear them. So that's the purpose of this idea of fight. We all carry fight, you know? But like when you're standing across from a heavy bag and there's no distraction, it's just loud music, dark and you versus you, what comes up? And it was the best because now my studios are currently closed, but it was the best experiment in the human existence that I could have ever experienced because the way that people walk in, whatever they're carrying, the way that they show up and present themselves or are closed down the way that they present themselves on a bag, the way that for 45 minutes, they're either in or they're out because you drop your hands, you're giving up on yourself. It's not a team sport. It's about you in the moment, getting out of your body and into your head. Mm. And the whole purpose of this experiment was to allow people to just be in their bodies, to just feel what they feel to literally like, like rev up and let go. So again, it was like really about this, this arc, this music focused, beat driven experience that literally shows you your strength, your weakness yourself, if you're willing to listen.
2: So true. And you definitely did an amazing job at that. So like you said, your, your studios have now closed. Can we go back in time for just a minute and tell me what life as a business studio owner in New York city looked like January of 2020. So pre
3: pandemic. What was going on for you and Box and Flow? So interesting. January 2020, I was revving up to open my dream flagship studio, 3,000 square feet in Soho. And that happened, it was January and it was like something I'd been working on for probably a year and a half or two years, but really like... Four years in total, because my first studio, I bootstrapped, no partners, no investors, never taught a class, except one in the back of Church Street gym for a couple of friends the day that (laughs) Muhammad Ali died. June 13th, 2016. I don't know exactly. I finally brought on a business partner and he invested in me to open this beautiful flagship studio of my dreams. That opened the day after my grandmother died on February 17th. So So it opened. It opened opened for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then on March 13th, I had to make the call with two studios, not even two studios, a brand new studio with piles of apparel and the most gorgeous equipment oh. and <laughs> it's surreal to even think that it was mine Mm -hmm. and that it, it, you know, it happens because it was open for three weeks and I shut it down and it is no longer open.
2: Well, there's so much devastation in your voice and in the reality of what was. And when you kind of think about the losses that we took of things that were there for years and then things that were just blossoming and then, you know, got, got pandemified. (laughs) For anybody listening, who's not from New York or perhaps hasn't opened a business in New York, you know, the magnitude of what Olivia did and created in four or five years is no small feat. The amount of that rent costs in New York city, like you need to have momentum. You need to have not just your own confidence and finances, no matter how rich you are, you need to have the finances of somebody else usually yeah. to help you do something like that. So I think despite not being able to show for it, the accomplishment is really there. Thank you.
3: Yeah. And I appreciate that so much. And I think as, I've come to learn and embrace like actually really seeing yourself because I think that was my biggest fight and struggle through the whole experience was first celebrating small wins, Mm. which is sort of a recurring theme for me. And second, not being able to see myself fully because, you know, it's tough. I'm not an operator. I was a teacher, like a speaker, uh, you know, a branding person. And I wanted to empower others. I never thought about like all of the things I had to think about running a studio with no partner Mm. and no investor. 1500 square feet on Bond Street purely word of mouth that it existed and continue to like grow until I brought on a business partner and more money for this flagship in my experience it was like it was never enough for me because again it's that rat race of entrepreneurship especially in an operational business it's every day you're worrying about who's going to show up who's not if you can pay the bills what pipe is leaking You know, what contractor is going to screw you? And it took such a toll on my psyche. Mm -hmm. And beyond all of that, it was like really managing a staff. And some people are really good leaders, some people are really good managers. I'm not a good manager. And I think part of me not being able to see myself in a leadership position as well, because So many of my employees are my age or older. I didn't see myself as the boss. So I didn't demand the the respect necessary as a boss. So I didn't get the respect necessary Mm. as a boss until I did, you know, I'm talking the first two years and then something shifted in me. But, you know, again, like I appreciate you recognizing the challenge of this business. I, I think particularly even to go back to the first, you know, discussion topic, like the education piece, what do you mean boxing and yoga? What's that? You had to get people in the door, mm-hmm. man. I, I gave my all, I gave everything and I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad that, you know, over the summer I went back to New York cause I had been quarantined in Miami with my family for three months. I went back in June. I hired a COO to, you know, change the model, to figure out a franchising model. So that's the focus is scaling via franchise. And I believe so much in two things. One, that whatever was going to happen from COVID or not was going to happen. It just sped up the inevitable. Mm -hmm. I believe that. So I don't know what that means specifically for Box and Flow, but who knows how long Mm -hmm. it would have lasted or not in a physical iteration in a footprint in New York City. That's one. Number two, it's that Box and Flow gave me, it gave me purpose. It gave me, it gave me joy. It gave me heartbreak. It gave me the greatest lesson that I could have yet to date because in the whole journey, thus far, it gave me commitment. Like I had never committed to anything like I committed to that. And I firmly believe that, you know, I wasn't going to be capable of a real loving relationship until I could find my value. And at the time, my value was very much embedded in uh, my career. And now I have such a different perspective on on that for so many reasons. Because the studios closed, I was able for the first time in 11 years of living in New York City to slow down and stop running. Mm -hmm. And because I stopped running, I was able to start listening to the extent that like, I live in Austin, Texas. Now, now, <laughs> now, right. So, like, so, so much change happened in a six-month period because box and flow closing and COVID happening gave me the ability to start understanding why I've been fighting for so long.
2: I totally understand what you mean by like this sped up the inevitable. When I moved to DC, I remember for two years, I just had this pit in my stomach. And I would say to my friend Abby all the time, like, we're going to hit the ceiling soon. Like we're going too fast. And I just, I don't even know what I meant exactly, but I just mm-hmm. knew as a society that we were moving too Quickly, and everyone around me was moving too quickly. And I think, not that I'm glad the pandemic happened in any way, shape, or form, not to be misconstrued at all, Same. but so many people like you entrepreneurs type a people who were living the dream you know you were just opening your flagship you so many amazing things on paper and I'm sure inside felt really good had the opportunity or well, were forced into the opportunity to actually slow down to hit pause on the treadmill of life as my dad used to say that like life's like a treadmill and as you get more successful or you grow up like it only moves more quickly and you have to keep up with that pace like more things are thrown onto your plate and you just keep going and going Going and you never get a rest. And, you know, now that contractors aren't screwing you over and you're not, you know, dealing with managerial roles in the same way that you perhaps used to, like your plate got lessened. And, you know, many people, I believe, were able to connect with the parts of themselves that they were running from just like you. And I think that creates introspection and a different type of human connection than we've had in a long time, both with ourselves and with each other. Maybe I'm hopeful, but maybe there's something good that came of it.
0: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
1: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee.
3: June 30th, 2024.
2: Okay, box and flow physical studios right now are not available, but there is box and flow on demand, right?
3: Yes. And like pause right now to sort of re-level, resurface, see what it looks like. I think, again, back to like this idea of, you know, this pause for me, it was such a period of introspection and really finding a way to lose the definitions around, you know, who I am, like as defined by like my family, by my work, by the men that I date or don't date by my body. Like, and all of these things for me are such important questions that I've always asked and taught from but I think I was only skating the surface in how I related to them, like in myself, it's a lot easier to tell other people what to do, but when it comes to really like being honest with yourself, it's a whole nother story. So box and flow on demand, it was on demand. And, and I still, I do a lot of private classes, particularly for like randomly large banks mm-hmm. and corporate retreats, which I love. So anyone's listening, you know, and I do private, but like in terms of a full on schedule, Not at this moment, because for me, again, like there's lots of inquiries about it. It has to feel good and make sense for me, Mm -hmm. because for the first time in my life, I'm being super selfish about my energy, my time and like feeding the fire that I think I've depleted for so long.
2: Well, no, I think I respect that immensely because that's the harder decision to pause your finances, first of all, and your ego, that identity and say, I need a minute to just gather and check my energy and my pulse and does this still feel good or is a change needed? So, I mean, I I think that most people continue with exactly what they're doing because they know it works because people know them that way. So I think you've done the really brave thing and really uncomfortable thing, and I'm sure a lot of people miss it, but I respect that immensely. And one other thing that you just said I thought was interesting, just how you said that you're able to teach people to peel the layers of their human onion off. Like you had the scripts and you knew how to help people get there, but you weren't fully going there with yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are quick to maybe think, okay, well, who are you then? If you're not walking the walk, you know, are you a... Or contradiction. If there's, It's a contradiction. Yeah, are you yeah. a walking, you know, contradiction of yourself? Who should I listen to you? But in fact, I don't believe that at all. I think teachers and healers, which you are, and a creative can help other people sometimes go further than they can help themselves, and that's mm. okay.
3: It's interesting though, because for me, and I agree with you so much, and I also, you know, I've full transparency taken issue with teachers in in the past who have taught me, and it's like it's hard for me to relate to someone who doesn't seem like they're living mm. that truth. For me, completely personal experience. I thought I was. So you talk about my blog posts, you talk about my vulnerability, my authenticity, and I always spoke from that place. And every time I write something or I spoke, there was no facade. If it was fight, I was spoke about it. If it wasn't, you know, I didn't. Relationships, body, and, you know, I've peeled off layers more and more. But for me, I didn't know what I was running from. And we don't have to get it too deep into it, but like my experience in COVID, so much happened. I ended up going into like the psychedelic healing world and I know these are buzzwords. I'm not sure how much you talk about these. If you've ever done any shows on, I don't think you have. I know you just had a medium on. I ended up diving deep into psychedelic therapy. So like, one-on-one assisted MDMA therapy because something was blocking me and I I had no idea. This makes sense though. And I think what I mean is
2: when you would write or teach, you were always teaching from the place that was most exposed to the world, the layers that you'd peeled back. What you didn't realize was that there was a lot more layers underneath, but a blockage from getting there. So I don't know much about psychedelics. I know I try and encourage my audience to at least learn about all different types of healing because like you said, you're probably somebody that has is clearly doing the internal work, but there was a blockage and this helped you make some headway into this. So how did you know there was a blockage? Because I think a
3: lot of people might kind of feel like that. You know, there's something like you are you and you. I've done deep work, but at some point, whether it's talk therapy or life coaching or just constant like introspection, it wasn't that it wasn't adding up. And someone said something to me. It was a man that I was dating and he asked me a question and it sent me into like, wow, I'd never thought about that before. And it was someone who had been one-on-one MDMA therapy. So just psychedelic word, it's very hot right now because, you know, there, there's our Oregon just legalized uh, psilocybin. There's a nonprofit called MAPS that is working on legalizing MDMA for PTSD, mm-hmm. um, for soldiers, for rape victims, for any sort of trauma. and I actually think like marijuana was a thing. Now psychedelics is the thing and you'll be hearing more and more about it. But I can tell you from my personal experience that I'd never been into any recreational drugs in any which way I love a good martini. So I'll say besides alcohol. And I do believe everything in moderation. Like my background's actually culinary and food and before fitness, but I was introduced to psychedelics with one-on-one therapist and what MDMA does. It, it, what ecstasy does, apparently, I've never done ecstasy recreationally, it boosts your serotonin. So, in a therapeutic setting with an eye mask on, it makes you feel safe. So, you start remembering things mm. from your subconscious that you've potentially blocked out. Got it. Or if it's PTSD, if it's war soldiers, victims who have memories, they have studies that it has cured like over 82% of PTSD victims. Mm because it, it allows you to see these memories in a safe space. Yeah,
2: yeah. Visit them as opposed to aggressively trying to push them down, even if that's subconscious, like it was for exactly. you, it sounds like. Exactly. So this man in your life says something to you and, it's a, and you say to yourself, okay, I never thought of it that way, or I never thought of that. And then you went on this self-exploration journey involving MDMA?
3: Yeah, even deeper, psilocybin, MDMA, 5-MeO-DMT. To me, these are just words. So involving psychedelics. So exactly, involving psychedelics, because like we discussed, like I was hitting a roadblock that I didn't know what was. But the irony in all of this is that I was teaching this idea of flow through the fight with studios that said everything you need is inside. But the reason or reasons why I had been fighting for so long were completely unbeknownst to me. I just thought I was type A, loved to box because it made me feel strong, needed to open my heart because you know I was guarded. What psychedelics did is, you know, I would go as so far as to say they saved my life wow. in a way that makes me want to cry mm-hmm. because I'm so grateful that I know. I'm so grateful that I'm not walking in the dark anymore or running from myself. Mm-hmm. So now I know that when boxing flow resurfaces it will be with a different message not different but deeper mm-hmm. in a way that like at the end of the day we're just fighting ourselves mm, yeah. so people that come at you with judgment particularly social media or anywhere else or customers that don't like you know what you're selling it's it's rarely about you for sure it's about the internal struggle
2: and just another note for listeners i feel like vulnerability became something that's really hot and people are vulnerable and share their pain as a method to gain likes and followers. That's some, That's a trend that's kind of happened. You know, if somebody wants to, to grow their social media, the advice they get is go on there and tell your story. Obviously, this podcast is about bringing people on and being vulnerable. But what I really respect about Olivia and our conversation that we briefly had before this call was I'm still processing right now and I'm not ready to get into the details. And I think vulnerability before you're ready is wasted vulnerability. I think vulnerability can be healing, especially as we move out of shame and stuff. But I think there's nothing more beautiful than that sacred healing time of being quiet, or maybe it's forever being quiet, whatever it looks like to you. So I think just providing everything you said was so heartfelt. And it's clear that you broke free and found something that was hidden beneath yourself. And what's coming of that is hopefully transformative. So how has your life kind of changed in the past few months after finding this hidden spot of yourself?
3: Yeah. So I, I just want to speak to the you know vulnerability. I think I've spent so much time thinking about that because I live in that space, and I always want to. And no matter how hard it is to to speak about your life, right? I always find that it's not for me as much it is as it is for me. It's for the other people that aren't comfortable yet seeing those dark parts of themselves, really working in their shadow. So, in my experience, and in this transformation, if you will, like I'll tell you right now, I've never felt so quiet and at times so alone and at times so empowered and there's so much here. And I know that there's such a, a place for the stories that I have to tell. I just want them to be told from a place of, you know, confidence as, a, as opposed to like need, because just as you said, mm-hmm. social media has been a platform, like share your story. So you get likes mm-hmm. like so often you see people or, you know, or I consider myself, like, are you sharing this for you? Yep. Or are you sharing this? You know, what, what is the, what is the purpose? What is the why? And in whatever I speak about, I want it to be, Not about my ego. It has to be from my heart. And the only way that, you know, that can be had is if, like, there's this healing process. So I respect that you respect that and I appreciate it. I think it's beautiful.
2: And it's something that I think younger generations really need to hear, especially because they're exposed to people. I always explain it as like showing off their bleeding arm. Like, we just have so many people that are in the throes of healing and take to social media in a way that might feel feel helpful for them. But I don't know, as somebody that's kind of been seasoned and been through lots of pain, sometimes I know that there's a part of the journey that needs to be kept quiet and alone and in the dark a little bit, even if it feels really freaking scary. So I just hope that younger generations can value that. And I think you showing up and sharing that is, you know, one of the ways that we do it. So one of the things that did come up for you in the recent times you wrote on your blog publicly was your relationship to food. And obviously this one struck home with me as somebody that helps people with food. But why it struck me so hard was because I've been following you for years and watching your social media and your stories. And I know you personally, and you're such a foodie, you know, you're always making like a story steak in this fancy way with like a martini. I don't have a lot of female friends that like put that type of love and emphasis into a piece of steak, maybe into their, you know, gluten-free pasta, but you know, the steak, it just, there's something else to it. But when I read your blog, you said that food was a way that you controlled
3: everything else. Can you explain that? And I want to also just touch really quickly on your former question of what has come up because food, body, relationship to family, this healing part of my life, this transition, it's also shown me like, you know, why I haven't been capable of real romantic connection and relationships. So all of the blocks came up, like why I haven't been fully integrated with my body, why I have never had boundaries with anything. So really like be embodied. And ironically, again, back to Box and Flow, feeling the strength of my body was what gave me the tools to feel confident. But in so many spaces of my life, it was completely disembodied. Mm. And the main space that this showed up for me was food and body. And as a result of one of the traumas that I experienced, you know, I spurred into an eating disorder. And I didn't know that was why, but I just thought, you know, when I was 13, 14, I, maybe someone called me fat at middle school and like, mm. then I hated myself. Right. And I grew up with three brothers. My father's in the meat business. And everything's around the kitchen, around food, love, food, food is family. And I love food, but because I love food, it was also like why I could hate food and hate my body. And and it was what I thought I could control Because my entire life felt out of control. So I went to culinary school after college. I went to French Culinary Institute instead of going to Natural Gourmet Institute. And I was choosing between the two. I had already been practicing yoga for, you know, eight years. I was super into healthy, crunchy lifestyle. But for me, it was always like, do the harder thing, do the thing that makes less sense, like, because (laughs) you can justify anything. So I was in Chef's Whites for hours every day with like veal chops and, you know, big chefs like butter. And uh, <laughs> I was going to say one is like, you know, almond milk, the other one's butter and cream and <laughs> completely. And also like things I didn't eat. So like we made pork chops all the time or like eggs Benedict. I wouldn't eat either of those things, but I could control that. Ah. I knew that like that was completely off limits. Mm. So I loved food. I, all I did was like read food magazines. Cause it was, again, it was like this fixation mm-hmm. also because like, I love food. I love texture. I love taste me making a steak now and a martini's cause I love it. You know, it's like and food delicious is your
2: family's love language. Like being around food is a big part of home for you.
3: Completely. And it's how I show love. From culinary school when like I could control everything, except when I was like in the pastry kitchen, I would like get so high on sugar and like couldn't sleep for 3 days because sugar was another thing. It was like I was deficient in food, so I would just stuff myself with sugar and it was like this seesaw effect, but I didn't show it because I would go out to eat once or twice a week or when I was on dates and I would eat and love food. But like for the rest of the week, I was so stringent or like I would work out for four hours the next day, whatever it was. And it was really how I controlled things. I mean, it started for 13, 14, and it was till about like 27, Mm -hmm. 28. Mm -hmm. And how this came up for me, like through this, you know, transformation stuff. It, it wasn't that it had just come up because I'd sort of been healing myself through this for a long time, but it was more so like really asking myself why this happened, why, what, what led me to that path of hating my body. Mm. It wasn't just because somebody called me fat. It was unfortunately something way darker mm, yeah. that made me want to really escape my my skin and me talking about it now in the blog post I most recently wrote was so challenging. It was so challenging because Just as you said, the people know me as like love food, been in food, all of, you know, this and, and because I do, but it was also something that brought me so much pain.
2: And I just think it goes to show you never know the relationship that somebody has with food. And I'm a professional who knows you personally and also can assess people. You know, I could call out when people have a thing with food, but I never would have realized that a form of mind body detachment could occur from somebody who has this love of food like you and with the culinary experience. But you mentioned in the blog, I believe that, the culinary world has a lot of this, a lot of escapism in the form of food or alcohol or excess, or I forget the word that you use or
3: addictive behaviors in general. Can you tell me a little more about that? I think that, I mean, it's like, I also went to to like, opposi- like opposition, like talk about, you know, fight and flow, yin and yang, duality. Like I went from food to fitness, right? Mm-hmm. So two extremes and I never felt like I fit into either one because like I don't really, and whatever I do in my life, I'll never fit into one or the other because I love food. I love fitness. I love life. All of those things. But for you know, anyone in the culinary world or the hospitality world, like kitchens are dark. People work in kitchens in hours that nobody else works. Right. <laughs> so everything's centered around. Like you're tasting all the time, you know, you're drinking after hours because the hours are so odd, you know, everyone's having sex with each other. I didn't work in restaurants, I worked in the corporate side of it. But like, you know, at night, I knew that like it was time for me to potentially consider switching where I was because I was tired of going out till 5 a.m., eating steak and drinking scotch and waking up an hour later because I was going to run in box and flow. Like it was out of balance for me. I wanted to start really like doing something that made sense to me but it didn't change my relationship with food right away it was more so like a journey and with that said like the food world is it's a gluttonous environment like if you think about like food and wine festivals people are eating 23 burgers like there's nothing interesting it takes actually takes the romanticism out of food so for me like I want to taste steak I want to learn about the spirit and the martini like it's It's that intricate for me as as much so as getting on my yoga mat and understanding how grounded I could be when I spread my fingers wide and press into my palms and integrate my belly to my spine and lift my hips up Mm -hmm. and back and get my heels to the mat in a downward facing dog. It's these nuances that make things special, magical. Mm -hmm. But when anything's overdone, the magic is completely taken away from them. And you called it like a dissociation.
2: By having 23 burgers, you're dissociated from your body. By the second burger, you're dissociated from the flavor. So it's about keeping that connection, your hands to the mat or your, your palate to the flavor rather than allowing any of these things to become something that allows you to run from yourself. So, it's completely. It's not yeah. about what you're doing whether it's yoga or eating or anything it's about creating a relationship to them that allow you to be present which you're learning yeah. which is
3: awesome. And with that, like back to boxing flow, boxing was the only place I felt present. On the bag, in my breath, with the music and same on my yoga mat because it forced me and the class to literally be in the ring or on the mat, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like a choice also at the same time to just be with yourself. And I think if you can take a breath before you take a bite or, you know, really be on your mat and really use your breath and your body in this yoga pose or really exhale as you hit your jab, like that you're, you're here.
2: Mm-hmm. And there's something about you and I see it in myself too, which is probably why I can call it out. But there's something about the senses that hit differently on you, you know, from mm. boxing, you talked about music, you're hitting with your fists. So you're physical, you're listening, and that allows you to become embodied when you're eating, you're tasting, you're smelling So there's something about that that really allows you to find your center. And I think a lot Mm of us are out of touch with our senses because we're on that treadmill of life where, you know, we're just eating what other people tell us to eat. We're not thinking about what would make this taste better or thinking about the different flavors on our tongue or learning about the whiskey that we're drinking or the scotch, whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much beauty in these little things, like even spreading our fingers on the mat, like you talked about that that calm us and create little moments of I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. And I think we miss these moments. We all have a
3: lot of missed moments. Yeah. Or we sense them and we ignore them and then they show up louder Mm. And we ignore them. And then they are like a sledgehammer to your face. And you're like, fuck. Exactly. So I think just as you said, it's like, life is a sensory experience. Love is sensory, you know, fitness is sensory, food is sensory, music is sensory. And because we're so, you know, obsessed with just keep like this idea of keep going, just got off the phone with my parents this morning. And it was about I wanted to talk about something that was bothering me. It's like, okay, get over it, keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was raised. And they're amazing. I love you. But it's because we keep going that we miss, as you said, so much, and that we're so shut down from actually how we feel and creating intimate
2: relationships with one another. Because I don't think your parents wanted, you know, obviously, their words were to help you the same way my parents would say the same thing. But they missed their own opportunity to find that soft spot in their own heart to be there for you and to feel their own pain because they would have had to inevitably feel their pain to hear their daughter's pain you know and that's kind of the culture that I think all of us kind of live in you know we don't cry brush it off and I think those are missed opportunities to dive deeper and we're afraid of that intimacy really So last big question, I guess, is you know, you just got up and moved to Austin. I know everyone's asking you, why did you move to Austin? Is there anything that you could simply put into why you made this move, whether it's why Austin or how you got the courage to leave New York City, why you didn't go home to
3: Miami? It was the first time in such a long time that it was simply a feeling that I was clear enough to literally like I was here visiting for 10 days, took an Airbnb on my 10th day. I saw two apartments, flew back to New York, broke my lease, packed my stuff up and moved here. And for no other reason than it felt right. And for somebody who has forced feeling for so long or run from feeling or not been sure of feeling or asked everybody else how I should be feeling, it was the first time I want to say in 34 years where it was just like, because, just because. And then, you know, and to that, I would say when you know something's right, don't need to question it or have any reason behind it. Just let it be so. And the way that I softened this was I'm here now. I don't know what mm. tomorrow is. I don't know what next year is. All I know is that in my body, in this life, in my space, in this story, I'm meant to be here now.
2: How long have you been there for now? A month? probably a month and a half. And have there been any either red flags or green flags that you made the right or wrong choice? Not that I believe there could be a wrong choice, but anything that made you question yourself or something that said, oh, this is
3: why. Yeah, there's always questions, but if you trust yourself enough, you know, you have the answers. I'll figure it out. But in terms of green, there's a different dating pool here, I would say. And there's a different mentality. And I think it has very, it has much less to do with what the dating pool is and what, um, as opposed to like, it has so much more to do with what energy I'm carrying. I'm not coming from a space of need. I'm coming from a space of have and ironic because like I'm a total stranger in this place, but I feel more embodied and more alive than I have in So long.
2: Wow. Well, that is amazing to get up and move in the middle of a pandemic, leave your family and friends, and start something brand new and identity free. You know, you don't, you can't stand behind your studio or the restaurant that you, you know, worked to create or in the hospitality world, like you're really starting fresh. So that is brave. And I respect that so much. Thank you. So you do mention dating. If it's okay to ask is like a family or anything, something that
3: you want or like, is that important to you? I think for a long time, I like kind of put it not on the back burner, but it wasn't an option. Right. But at the same time, I would date habitually because it was always like dating to get married to have babies, Mm. even though I would always run a business in whatever iteration it, it was. Yeah, it is something that I know I am meant to be a mom and how that shows up will be interesting But it's also interesting. Like I have friends who have gotten pregnant without a significant other, which is beautiful. To me, family is home and I want to have that. I want to have all parts of it. So really finding a man or a man finding me that supports (laughs) all of the openness and vulnerability and darkness and lightness in a space where we can speak freely. So much. I mean, I so much love for how you share your relationship and all the stuff that goes into it, but I so often dated men that I didn't talk about feelings with because mm-hmm. they weren't capable of that because it's also stuff from my past. Mm. But now it's like, I'm just open to somebody who's open to all of this. Yeah. And as you said, undefined by business or where I am or what I'm carrying or whatever else. It's just like me. I'm just me right now. Well,
2: I'm excited for you because the opportunities <laughs> are endless. Your energy is flowing and attracting, if not a relationship, new friends and people in your life that are going to bring the next thing and it's no doubt that you'll be a mom however that looks because that's fully in your control and if you do find a partner I think that the person just has to have so much passion to be able to keep up with you from emotional to food to life like there aren't many people that really experience life the way you do which certainly makes it harder to find somebody that's going to get it on your
3: level so and that's probably why I've always looked up to you <laughs> me I've always looked up because it's sensory everything to it's the same way you move your body you explore love you go deep you love food and you're not afraid to just be yourself and I I so honor that and admire that and I'm so honored that you recognize all my passion because I think that that's the one word I would use to describe me and anything that stunts that light is that's a red flag.
2: I love that I mean I think that even if you didn't speak you come through. And I think your ability to translate that through your branding, your fonts, your colors, the styles on your website, the imagery that you use with your body sometimes, like you have passion into everything that you do and then add your ability to write. And you're just like, you know, unstoppable. So you're yeah. very talented and awesome. And I'm so excited for you. So thank you for living your truthiest life and sharing your story. I think it's just a really relevant one, especially with what the pandemic kind of brought on for you, business and personal. I don't think yeah, we've had another guest you. that's like, yeah, I'm. I just kind of got thrown up in the air, and everything kind of came crashing down on me in a
3: good way and a, and a challenging way. As beautiful and everything is for me, or how I feel, just talking to you and I actually knew that that you would make me feel that way, alive. <laughs> that in what I'm, you know, sort of meandering through right now, there are so many days where I feel like I'm not not even in my life. It's like I'm looking at a movie from the outside in because of the things I'm learning about my experience to date. So in our next conversation, we'll talk about psychedelics and that stuff when the time is because I know that I'm meant to uh, facilitate those conversations for people who can use those tools for their well, for their well-being.
2: Awesome. Well, we look forward to it. So my final question is just, do you think that everything happens for a reason, especially this past year for you?
3: No question. And I think with that said, it's where you find like grace mm-hmm. and gratitude for the good and the bad and the the super ugly, but it's not by accident that I'm sitting talking to you in Austin with, with passion and respect. I think when you start thinking that things are happening to you, mm-hmm. right. As a victim mentality, it's when you really get into a place of, of need instead of have, and I'm a firm believer in we have what we need.
2: Oh, I love that. You always kill it with the one-liners. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Nice to talk to you. So good. Thank you so much for being a guest. We cannot wait to see what's next for you.
0: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with
3: Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually,
1: Right rug flooring.